As everyone knows, we at the Designated Drinker Show are dedicated to raising the bar on craft cocktails. How do we do that? We strive to always introduce you to the most inspiring guests and entertain you with our intoxicating boozy banter, while Gina, as always, serves up her tips and tricks to crafting her delicious creative cocktail recipes. But now, now we need your help and just a little bit of your time. We'd love to hear what you think of the show and to find out what you want more of and even what you don't. So please head over to designateddrinker.show to complete our listener survey. Because what you, our loyal listeners, want is exactly what we aim to deliver. I promise it will only take a few minutes of your time to complete the survey. And for doing so, you'll receive an exclusive invite to our Let's Get Twisted Cocktail Hour, a live online interactive event with me and Gina. We'll be serving up some fun times as we try to answer your questions, deal out a few fun cocktail facts, and of course, share plenty of good laughs. While Gina, as always, doles out her tips and tricks and shows us how to craft three amazing cocktails. Yep, three. So head over to designateddrinker.show, dish out your thoughts, and we'll see you at the Let's Get Twisted Cocktail Hour. Now, the date and time will be determined by survey participation, so go do it today. And hell, share it with your friends, your family, clergy, postal worker, dog walker, I don't know, anyone you know who appreciates a tasty cocktail and some intoxicating boozy banter. We really can't wait to hear from you. Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Salas, and with me, as always, is my very, 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 very talented friend who always eats her veggies, the mixtress DC Gina. <laughs> hey, Louise. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Um, you know, I'm feeling uh, a little vitamin C deficit right now. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lovely, dreary day. Here. I was like, yeah, it would be vitamin D deficient. Yeah, D, D right? Yeah. I don't D. know. I had a lot of vegetables. I live on a farm, so. You do live on a farm. Yeah, I'm constantly eating something that I'm like, my kids don't want to eat or it's going to go bad soon. <laughs> so I cannot even have any more Swiss chard in my life. So you just set me up for this. So I'm going to assume <clears throat> since living on a farm, you've kind of grown an all new appreciation for harvesting your own produce. Uh, and how hard it is. So, whole yes. new appreciation. And like you said, it's hard. But did you know that there are people who take farming to the extreme? And they spend much time and effort in growing giant vegetables. Giant vegetables. For like, a, for a fair? You mean like the ones like for like the 3,000 pound pumpkin? You're getting there. Okay, okay, here we go. Okay. So, for instance, an Australian teenager... A teenager holds the world's record for growing the largest cucumber. It came in just a little over four foot three. That's insane. Yes. They're really hard to grow on the vine. Eventually they they fall off. Yeah, one would think. Yeah, I I would imagine there's a lot of tending to get it to four foot three. Um, My mother only made it to 4'11". Good Lord. Uh, Anyway, um, the world's record for the heaviest pumpkin. You just asked about that. It, It goes to Benny Meyer of Switzerland. Get this. According to the internets, anyway, this giant gourd weighed more than a polar bear. So like 500 pounds? 1,000 pounds? How much a polar bear weigh? The pumpkin came in. I knew you were going to ask me that question. I Googled it and I forgot. Uh, but the, this pumpkin tipped the scales at 2,323 pounds. A polar bear weighs 2,000 pounds? No, but the pumpkin did. 
Oh, I was going to say polar more bear. than a polar more bear. Than a, more than a polar bear. You I got was stuck like, on the Jesus polar bear. I'm trying Christ, to get you back to the pumpkin. huge bear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that bear is fucking crazy. Well, I don't really know how much polar bears, why did they use polar bears? Anyway. I don't uh, know, but I just got really <laughs> afraid of a polar bear. <laughs> like, it's like a freight train moving at you. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So, those poor seals. So, I wonder if you can get inside that pumpkin. Anyway, move on. Next, next, next. Thing. I don't think you want to. Um, I mean, so everyone's, so everyone's got their thing. They do. Well, I had my thing the other day. Matt, I put pumpkin mask on my face because apparently it's good for it not aging. So I run, did I did wanna, it turn your skin orange? So if I get inside the pumpkin, will I be younger when I leave? Maybe. Maybe. All right. Move on. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. Put yeah, a wife. What's his no. name again? Benny? It, it was Benny reach, Meyer. I'm going to reach out to that. Yeah, you should ask. Is you should he dead? Ask. I don't know that, but he's from Switzerland. That's all Probably I know. Dead. So let's get this show back on the rail, shall we? So, you know, Matt and I were just up in, at your house and in your garden. And I was so excited because I actually got to pull my very first carrot out of the ground. Yeah. I was really excited about that. But it was Matt. And for those who don't know, he's our amazing photographer on the Missing Link team. Um, he was the winner that day. Oh, yeah. Because he unearthed that huge carrot. Yeah, it was huge. It was massive. Yep. It was massive, but I'm going to say... It cannot hold a candle to Peter Glazebrook's carrot. Oh. It weighed more than a bowling ball. So 12 pounds. It came in just over 20 pounds. Who bowls with a 20-pound bowling ball? The polar bear? <laughs> the two-ton the two polar bear? Fucking two-ton polar bear bowing a 20-pound ball. He... Gina, you're being ridiculous. Polar bears don't have thumbs. How would they? How would he even be able to bowl? He, he's two. He's two ton. So he <laughs> could do anything. He'd probably fucking fly. That'd be some big ass wings to get two Ooh, ton. I would love any of our listeners to reach out and tell us who if they bowl with a twenty pound ball. Because <laughs> I pick up a, a ten, a twelve to fifteen pound, fifteen pounder. Yeah, fifteen pound is a, a fifteen pound by, by mistake, and I'm like. My arm feels like it's going to fall off. I can't believe that. Well, either way, it would be a whole lot of beta carotene. I mean, maybe. Could, maybe that'll help your skin, too. I could cocktails, though, I have to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Carrots are wonderful in drinks. There you go. Da -da -da. I wonder where you're leading. Oh. So, since you're already leaning that way, why don't we hurry up and just introduce today's designated Absolutely. drinker. Let's get serious now, damn it. Um, she is the executive director of Food Stash Foundation. She is Carla Pelle Pellegrini. Welcome to the show, Carla. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us all the way from Canada. All the way from Canada. There's polar bears up here. <laughs> Have you ever seen a two-ton polar bear? No, thankfully I've never That's seen a polar bear. <laughs> That is that is what I'm looking for now. This two ton bear. So Kim, can you Google the average weight of a male polar bear? Uh, yeah, I actually did. It's 900 pounds. Whoa. So 900 pounds. Wow. Whoa. That's yeah. I'm not gonna lie. If a 900 pound anything was coming at me and like running, that's yeah. pretty much the end for me. I would probably well, just no, have a heart attack. It probably and die. is the end. No, if a polar bear is coming your way. That, I heard they run pretty fast. They they're, are. They're yeah, very they're, fast. They're fast, right? Yeah, yeah they're very fast. <sighs> so but we don't have to worry about that here in uh, the D.C. area. You know, not unless yet. they get out of the zoo. Yeah, I mean, well, keep climate keeps changing. and People keep ruining their forests and like yeah. lands and glaciers. Yeah, they're going to be living in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're probably going to have a nice high rise because you'll be terrified. But of course you hit the pedals. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he doesn't have thumbs, so he's going to hit the button. 
Yeah. Sorry, Carla. What? <laughs> What's nice Carla? Carla, welcome. welcome. <laughs> so let's get serious again. Tell us what the Food Stash Foundation is. Food Stash Foundation. Basically, we're the middleman between surplus food and people who don't have access to food, healthy, nutritious food. So we go around to a bunch of grocery stores and farms and wholesalers all around the city here in Vancouver, BC. We collect over 70,000 pounds of food every month. And then we redistribute it in a few different ways to other organizations with their own food programs, to families through our kind of CSA style food box program, and recently through our rescued food market. Rescued food, what's that? What is that? It's a good question. We call it rescued food. We're trying to kind of elevate this this surplus food. It's not waste. It's totally edible, extremely nutritious, perfectly good food that, you know, grocery stores, for whatever reason, it's, you know, the carrot is too big or it's approaching (laughs) the best before date. Uh, they They will just toss it in the landfill. So we're trying to get in between that process and prevent this perfectly good food from ending up in the trash. That is a that is a massive problem in globally. That's not just that's not just uh, United States or North America or Canada. It is a global problem, and it is unbelievable the amount of food that we all produce in 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 general and waste. Yep. What was that number you shared with me when we we talked, um, Carla? When you talked about the percentage of food waste to production? Yeah, and I think globally, it's it's just reached 40% of all food produced is is lost or wasted or never consumed. And in Canada, it's actually 58%, more than half. And it's worse in Canada than the U.S. The U.S. is hovering around 40. Wow. Why? So can I ask you a question? Do you think that that has to do with these, like, giant shopping? Like, you go to a wholesaler, right? So now people have access to, like, you know, Costco's and Sam Club's. And I don't know, Canada has the same, I think Costco's in, in yeah. Canada, right? Yeah, we do. So you go and you buy bulk food, right? But you're a family of four. Yeah. You don't need bulk food, right? You need like food. Yeah. And then maybe if you live in like, I don't know, rural Montana <laughs> or, you know. Somewhere or, where there are polar outside, bears. Yeah, or where there's a polar bear. <laughs> like you, you would need as much as you buy. I, I think that it's like um, they did a study or they have do, they're working on a study now about like um, clean, the cleaning products during the cool. pandemic, yep. right? There was never a reason for anybody to do what they did, but people got so nervous they hoarded it. Yep. And I, I know some people that are sitting on stuff they bought in 2020 yep. and they'll never go through all of it until like 2024. Yep. And they did it with canned food and stuff and then they wasted it and threw it out. You know, I, I'm, I'm asking you, do you think it's those stores that did it? Do you think it's the giant, like, refrigerators you have in your house now that become as part of the problem? There's definitely part of the problem that's happening at the household level, for sure. Like, you you go to the grocery store and have no idea what you already have at home, so you just buy brand new groceries for the week or for that meal or whatever, and then you come back and realize that you already had 10 of something, so something's gonna get wasted along the line. There's also this whole best before date thing. You see a date and you automatically assume that it's like, if you touch it, you'll 
perish. <laughs> and that's just not true. You can like drink your milk two weeks after those dates and it's totally fine. And and it's the same for all kinds of different foods and how, how we interact with those dates. But there's also ways that like, like even before you get your massive groceries cart full of food at Costco, Costco wasted a shit ton of food before you got there. And the people who, who supplied Costco and the farms, like all the way up the supply chain, there's waste at for a whole bunch of different reasons. So I live on a farm that we just bought about a year ago and we have chickens now. And when we planted our garden, we made sure that everything that we had in our garden, um, because I, I work with DC Central Kitchen and um, No Kid Hungry in the US, um, I didn't want to waste a bunch of food, right? Now I give it away to my friends and I don't use it in my restaurant because I don't have a license to sell it to my restaurant. So it's illegal here to do that. You have to have, you know, certain licensing to make sure that like, you know, it's safe and whatever, even though I know everything in it is like organic and beautiful. Um, but I feed my chickens all the food and I found out that you could take like a good portion of like your, your last crop and you dry it out a bit and then you can get this milling thing where you can make chicken pellets to feed your chickens through the winter. Oh. So you give them all this good nutrition. Now, you've, this is a very small production, right? This is our house. We have 22 chickens. I don't understand, like, and I, and I understand, you know, people that don't have access to food and feeding them and doing all that, right? But like on like the ugly gross farm level, how there isn't that connection with the chicken farmers who could use pretty much every single thing except for like tomato. Well, no, they can eat tomatoes too. They like some things that they cannot have, like eggplants. I believe eggplants one. Um, why you're not giving it to them to produce the pellets? Because in theory, you know, chickens eat a lot of hay and stuff, like which they're not really supposed to eat. They're supposed to be eating grubs and you know foraging and stuff like that. And I just feel like that's a big misstep when you say that the farmers already have wasted it. I do believe that that is it is a um, systemic problem in our societies in Canada everywhere it's guilty of not being able to get wasted food or any food to anybody in any city anywhere it is sad it is um that's a pandemic you want to talk about it that's an ep but people are like oh I'm like it doesn't affect you I'm like it affects a house right next door to you you just don't realize it so keep going. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's true. Sorry, I get super like, this is a hot topic for but, me. But to that it? point, to that point, there's a lot that we can do as individuals, correct me if I'm wrong, Carla, I'm sure you will, that we can do on a legislative le level. You need to be involved and vote and push those agendas forward and support those agencies that are doing so. Yeah, what do we do? What do we do? Oh, man, there's so many things we can do. So many, like, as an individual, like, take a photo of your fridge before you go grocery shopping or your pantry. Make sure you know what you already have and that you're planning to make meals with that as opposed to starting from scratch. That's just one little way to make sure that you're not overstocking your fridge, which will inevitably lead to stuff that goes bad. Um, yeah, and then just meal planning in general, like, don't blindly buy whatever looks good at the store. Don't go to the store hungry. Try to have some sense of your meals in mind and buy only the food that you need to make those meals. And then the whole bus before date thing is like, just be willing to use your senses before you just blindly chuck something in the trash or, or ideally in the compost if you are going to throw it away. Um, you know, smell the milk. 
do the the water test with your egg. If you think your eggs are are old, put it in a glass of water. If the egg sinks, it's still perfectly good. There's lots of little things like that that we can do at the household level. That's a good trick. But systemically, yeah, for sure. Like there needs to be more pressure higher up in the supply chain to reduce the amount of waste that's happening right now. So when I talked to Carla the other day, we were talking about the expired before date or best before date. My husband is guilty of throwing out anything that has a date on it. He just like, it's he's ridiculous. Um, so I was really Me. happy to hear from, well, because no, here's the thing. You speak, Me too. The thing, what he does is like, we'll freeze meat. It takes a couple days to come out. Of course, you're going to be past the expiration date. And he'll stand there and go, but it's past the date. And I'm like, it was in the freezer, Dave. It was in the freezer. It's going to oh, go past man. the date. And so, uh, but to your point, Carly, use your nose. You can tell. Of course, you don't want to eat anything that's bad. But um, but you were telling me the where that was invented, what the, the expiration date. Yeah, the best before dates came about. It was post-World War II, and it was really a way for food producers to communicate with grocery store owners and help them know how to manage their stock and rotate their stock. And it has warped into this consumer facing date where we just assume like, okay, it's, you know, it's two days before the best before date. I'm not going to touch that. It's going to kill me. Isn't it because of botulism? Didn't that happen with her outbreak of that with canning? Is that why my mom said you never use never used the can if it was dented? That was one of my mother's things, but I'm sure that's an old wise tale. I'm sure. Oh, my my family was like, um, would be like, this can's dented. Can I get ten cents off? Hundred no. <laughs> percent. My grandmother is in heaven right now, going, "That's right." And she would always be like, "That can's dented. I want twenty five cents off." Whatever she said, and I'd be like, you know. Five, like, yeah, whatever grandma says, I'm in. You know, my grandmother says it, we're doing it. Um, of course, because grandma said. Yeah, she said. But yeah. you know what? She was very savvy. I think one thing, and then you tell me what you think. I think the the, the um, industrial size um, appliances that now are available that have never been available before also are a big problem. Like, you don't need a giant refrigerator. You don't need two refrigerators, and you definitely don't need... Three refrigerators and a deep freezer. Yeah. Again, if you live someplace where polar bears are threatening your life, I, <laughs> maybe, maybe. But like, I don't even understand this. I have, I know people that literally have, you know, a, like a fridge in their basement, a fridge in their garage, a deep freezer and all this stuff. And then a jam full and they're a family of four. Yeah. And my, I do have an extra refrigerator because we just renovated our house, but I only have booze. Yeah. So when the polar bear is coming, <laughs> I'm just gonna drink all of it, like mutilate me, but I taste like a fresh IPA. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's the uh, the state in which we live in, in, which is excess. I think that's probably a testament or a true example of it. But I mean, I think it's just living in excess. It's I, I think it's ruining, and I I don't know what's happening in Canada, but it's ruining our um, our systems, our environment. Oh, of course. And people are still starving, which is unbelievable to me. Because to Carla was sharing this with me, too, that it's not just people going hungry, but it's what's happening in our landfills, right? Yeah. Food waste is really, really bad for the environment. I think what the stat is, if, if food waste were a country, it would be the third largest carbon emitter in the world. 
Because wow, because if your food scraps or just you know food packaged in containers that grocery stores are literally throwing into the bin into the landfill, if that you know it gets buried at the landfill, there's no air, oxygen can't breathe, so it creates methane, which is like 25 times more powerful, more potent harmful for the environment than just regular oxygen, which is what happens if you actually compost those food scraps. So it's a huge environmental problem too. We've been working with um, uh, compost. So so I have a couple of my businesses are in Union Market District in DC and we have composting systems set up for the Union Market. And, um, you know, in the beginning we were giving scraps and people were like really not understanding how, what we were really doing. And people were like, oh, whatever. And customers are like, you know, there's compost bins, and there's recycling bins, and then there's trash. And then the compost bins are picked up and they're actually uh, utilized. And what's amazing is like after a few years, we were able to like give back mulch to people. And they're like, where'd that come from? And why is it free? We're like, well, it really isn't free. <laughs> it's really all of your vegetables and everything that you didn't use. I mean, you can't put dairy in, sure. in the compost bin because that's not good. You can't put meat scraps because that's... It can actually dissipate, but it will attract like raccoons and shit to your house. But you can make your own compost for your yard. Now I realize if you live in a high rise that that's not necessarily like doesn't compute, but you could ask your building where you're living to get this set up for them and like, and then give this back to these giant farmers or people that do all this, you know, uh, different stuff or even, you know, help with deforestation. Deforestation. I, I can't say that. I'm from New York. I can't say that word. Anyway, you can help with that because there are a lot of places where they are taking compost and like all that stuff and they're rebuild, um, replanting trees and stuff. So that's another way to do it, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah. Or am I crazy no, right now? No, it's totally right. Like composting is huge if you can't. I think the first best option is with your food scraps is to feed it to animals. Reuse it that way. If you can't, if you can't find a farm that needs your food scraps, composting is definitely the way to go. And if you have a yard, you know, you literally just put it in a pile, kind of contain it and stir it every once in a while and it does itself. But cities for sure, like in Vancouver, the city has its own composting program. Like you put out your green bin the same way that you put out your trash bins and your recycling. And it's, it's actually illegal to have food scraps in the landfill and the trash here. How they enforce that is questionable, but but most cities, if you live in a, an urban area, most cities have some sort of composting program. I, I used to live in New York City, and you could bring your your bag of compost to the farmer's market, and there's some program that way. So there's definitely, like, do your research and find, find a way to get it composted, for sure. That's really interesting, because um, in Northern Virginia, where I live, unfortunately, there isn't a composting program. And you actually, as a consumer, a resident, you have to pay to have a, a third party come and take it from you. But that's a really cool idea that if you could do something, because we have quite a few farmers markets around the area and most of the major neighborhoods, that's a that's a great alternative to where, because now really in old in Virginia, it's really hard to be able to participate in that because they, there's no option for you other than I throw all my um, old fruit, over-ripened fruit over the back fence into the woods. <laughs> I mean, that's, I think it's okay. But, well, know. we have raccoons, we have we have fox, we have all kinds of birds, so uh, deer, so. 
I like to think I'm at least contributing somehow. Don't you think though, that you have to push local legislation? I yeah. mean, you have to like start pushing. That's you have to be point. like, yeah, That's you my have point. to. I need to. I know enough people. We've had John Chapman on the on the show. Yeah, enough people in the neighborhood to be able to kind of push that agenda. Thank you for uh, giving me that insight. I would have never thought of that. Thanks. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to also say that, like, you know, this is a business, right? So, like, obviously, the manufacturers want you to throw out your food, you know? Yes. They yeah. want you to throw it out because you're going to buy more. And they're, and at the end of the day, it's profit. Yep. You know what I mean? They're just making more profit off of your ignorance. And yep. in this case, ignorance is not bliss. What you're doing is you're ruining the environment for generations to come. And yep. people are still – and, again, back to what you're doing, Carla, is – People are still not, do not have access to healthy foods. Yep. And that is crazy. It's still, again, crazy. Totally um, crazy. You know what else is crazy? What? I don't have a cocktail in my hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we're going to make a, a mezcal drink, and we're going to be using carrot juice and pineapple, which is kind of, um, you know, seems kind of silly, but it's really it's really appropriate with a little bit of uh, cinnamon in, in, uh, in the mix. And... First thing we're gonna do with this drink is it's a little bit different the way you build it is that we're gonna, I'm gonna put salt on my glass. And if you don't wanna put salt in your glass, then you skip this process and it's not even part of your, um, what you're doing. But if you are gonna put salt in your glass, I like, I don't really love a fully rimmed salt glass. I like it when it's just a little lipstick print. So I make like a little circle on my glass um, and I'll make one on, on my second glass I'm making one for Louise because she thinks I work here. And I'm gonna use a little bit of salt. And basically what you're gonna do is just gonna tap your salt ever so slightly. And really what you're doing is just a little place for you to kind of like stick your tongue and have your own salt lick. So you can pretend that you're a nice little deer in the woods getting a little bit of salt <laughs> because you put it out. Hey, you know, Carly, you know what I found out, which is so terrible. I buy, I live in the, I live on a farm now and there's all these deer that live run by the spring by my house. So I bought a salt lick for them, thinking like, oh, that's so nice. And my brother-in-law, who's a hunter, is like, yeah, you use that to attract the deer so you can shoot them closer. I'm like, what? Oh, no. That's terrible. I've been like feeding the deer, because of course I like love them. I think they're so cute. And I just want them to like let me get closer to them, because um, they are not two-ton polar bears. Yes. And they are huge, though. Have you ever they seen are. a deer up close? They are very big. They're very large. Very um, large animals. Especially the males, but I've never really seen a male up close, but I've seen the babies. Anyway, so I was doing the salt look, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like a little margarita for, for, for deer. <laughs> and everyone's like, you, people shoot them like that. I'm like, oh, not at my house. Yeah, so let's not do that. We yeah. always had salt licks when we were kids. I grew up in Pennsylvania. We always put salt out for the deer. It's like, oh, otherwise, what are they going to eat in the winter? No, oh, that's really sad. Yeah, it's so cute. Meanwhile, they're probably like, I'm dying of thirst. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're like, it's so good. I just can't have any more. All right, I'll have a little more. You know, like, who knows? Who knows they all have heart disease. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the deer are so big. They've never been that big. We're just be, you're going to be American fat deer, okay? <laughs> they're just all retaining water. If, if Americans <laughs> are fat, you're going to be fat too. All right. Anyway, all right. I'm getting off topic here. All right, so. We're going to make our cocktail, and we're going to put two ounces of um, mezcal. And I'm going to make two, so I'm just doubling this up into your shaker tin. And then we are going to use um, one ounce of carrot juice. Now, carrot juice. I love carrot juice. If you don't have something that's fresh, I went to the store. Or actually, I did not. My husband went to the store. Neil, thank you. Went to the store and bought a great alternative for a carrot juice. 
Um, and it's like just, you know, super easy, 100% carrot juice. Uh, maybe a little bit, of, there is definitely a little bit of water in here with it. But if you don't want to squeeze it, which I highly recommend, or you don't want to blend it and strain it, that's fine. This is a nice little substitute um, and it's cocktail approved. Okay, there you go. Now we're going to use pineapple juice and you're going to put two ounces. So now you have two ounces of mezcal. Um, one ounce of carrot juice and two ounces of pineapple for your cocktail. And we're going to add that. So notice that I didn't add any more sugar. That's because the amount of pineapple juice and everything in there is more than enough. And the pineapple is acting as your citrus if you are using lime. So you're not going to add any um, more citrus to this drink. So basically, if um, fall had a margarita, this is it. And if you delete the mezcal, you can make a nice little drink for your little dears. Okay, yeah. so, and I mean your kids. Okay, anyway, we're gonna put this on, and we're gonna top it, and we're gonna shake. I'm like salivating. I don't know why. The carrot juice, it smells so good. All right, so now this is your personal preference. You can serve this over ice or you can serve this up. Um, it's such a beautiful color. Either way, delish. And the pineapple, you can smell the pineapple. It's so crazy. It makes this pretty, like, corally color because of the carrot juice. And it's really just yummy. And if you don't like mezcal and you're like, ugh, the mezcal is disgusting, but I really want to try this drink, uh, bust out the vodka, friend, because it's going to be delicious, too. So no big deal. And that's it. I can't wait. Just a delicious little ode to not being a pumpkin. Don't call me pumpkin. <laughs> Isn't that what you said? Yes. I'm not your pumpkin. <laughs> so the cinnamon is a garnish, everybody, which, which it is. Right across the top. Boom. Right in that little float. Sold. Cheers, Carla. Cheers. It's 8.45 in the morning here. Now That's why it's healthy. Talking. That's why it's healthy. It's carrot juice, pineapple juice. It's mostly healthy. It's breakfast drinks. It's like my breakfast, <laughs> breakfast cocktails. Oh, this is delicious. Do you know, this is so good. It's refreshing. Like, I always worry, pineapple always makes me think, oh, it's going to be super sweet. It's not. It's really lovely. It should be like a little earthy. Yeah, a little earthy with the carrot, but it kind of rounds out with that pineapple. I love it. A little smoky, a little earthy, a little fall colory, but not pumpkin. Yes. I hate pumpkins. I hate pumpkin. It's everywhere. Pumpkin right? spices. Pumpkin everywhere. spice. Now I love pump. Let me change that. I love pumpkin in general, but it's just everywhere. It's overkill. Like I don't need a pumpkin coffee. I don't understand that. All right, myself. I, I'll lie. I have one pumpkin coffee a year, and then I don't want it anymore. Only on principle. Okay then. I have to have one. Just one. Yeah, because I, I always think I am. I am a. Um, you know, I'm. I'm like, oh, I should just try a pumpkin, and then. I'm like, well, it's good, but coffee's coffee's black. Damn you it. You should be agreeing with it. <laughs> so where are they going to go to get this recipe, Gina? Oh, so you're going to go to Designated Drinker.show. Show. Wait, what? You're going to go to Designated Drinker.show Show for the tips, tricks, how-tos, how to find Carla, how to um, help with food rescue, right? Can we donate? Do people donate to this cause? Oh, yeah. So we'll put your link on there as well, right? Yep, yep. yep. And then yep. also find your own local, your local organizations, right, Carla? There's tons that, of you know, them. Just figure out what you can do to help. I mean, from volunteer, some people, a little low, pockets are a little light these days, but you can always volunteer your time. 
Maybe is there any like any um, you know here's a here's a good suggestion or maybe it's a terrible suggestion. I don't know. <laughs> I've had a couple it's of cocktails. A this suggestion, none, not, nonetheless. Um, what if there was a way that you could have a template of something that you need to send to your local legislation, right? It says you have like a letter pre-done for people, and then they just put in, "I'm in Alexandria, Virginia. I'm in Arlington, Texas. I'm in blah blah blah." And I would like a compost program because it's not available, blah, or I want to help with reduce food waste, blah, and you download it from your website, and then people could sign their name and email it off. That is a great idea. And you know what? You would have more people do it because dum-dums like me would be like, you're an asshole, because, and then they throw out the letter, <laughs> right? So I just started off always wrong. <laughs> I go right into the passionate it's, part. I have no it's the New Yorker in you. I have no finesse. I'm like, you know why you're an asshole? And the people are like, what's your name? Like, you don't care about the environment. I'm calling the IRS. No. Yeah. So get finesse it for them. Fill it in. Yeah. Sign your name. Send it off and do something. Yep. Don't just you know. Don't just like hear about it. Be about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. look Look at you. No, it's true. Catchphrases. No, it's true. People, yeah. like, I always say it to everybody, like, I don't want to hear about everything. Well, you, I mean, you can it. bitch about it, but if you don't do anything to help change, then all you're doing is bitching. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, someone's not going to do it for you. Carla doesn't live here. Yeah. So, <laughs> and there's only so to... many Carlas in the world. I know. Carla's busy. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> She's busy uh, saving uh, Vancouver. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's amazing. Um, and I appreciate that because I love all the oysters from Vancouver. So I would like need that water to remain beautiful. Um, Carla, this is our last question. Yeah. Am I wrong? Am I right? Am I, I think wrong? So. Unless, unless Carla, you have anything else that you want to make sure that our listeners know on how we can help um, food waste. I love the the term rescuing food because to your point. Rescue market. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, oh, the other thing about your market, isn't it? it it's um, pay what you can, right? Yeah. Pay what you feel. Oh, what you feel. Yeah. So we're trying to make sure there's like no stigma or shame around not having access to the healthy food that that people need. So instead of saying pay what you can, can and implying like an ability uh, to pay, we, we say pay what you feel. So if you feel like donating to help support our market or organization, great. And if you don't feel like it, equally great just grab your food and walk out the door we don't care i really love that. i might um i might share that with my other friends is that okay oh yeah that's really great it's not patented we we heard the idea from someone else too <laughs> there's a <laughs> i love that sharing good there's ideas a pay what you feel cafe yeah I, that's amazing yeah i love that you keep doing the good work all right well i have a last question for you so in this day and age, everybody identifies themselves as some sort of mythical or spiritual animal. And you might identify yourself with a two-ton polar bear because you are <laughs> crossing the Arctic in a, in, in, in cheetah-like sprints and everybody's fearful of you. If you could be or identify yourself as a spirit ingredient, would you, whether for food or for drink, what would that ingredient be and why? First one that pops in your head is your spirit ingredient. I was going to say basil. Yes. I'm Italian-American, so any chance I have to put basil on something or to make pesto is is a win. Love it. And I, I've tried growing it so many times in my little, like, planter boxes and in my little community garden pot, and I can't. So it's kind of a curse at the same time. <laughs> 
Don't pay attention to it. <laughs> Basil's like a cat, right? If you tried it for the cat, and you're like, oh, come here, come here, come here. It's never coming, right? But if you leave it alone, you're like, yeah, here's some water and some food or whatever, and you act like you don't care about it, all of a sudden the baby's going to be like, hello, I'm here for you. How don't you see me? That's exactly my problem because I'm just like looking at it like, come on, come on, you can do this. Keep growing. Yeah. Leave it alone. It's a weed. Have some more water. Yeah. That's it. Leave it alone. It's a weed. All right. On that note, let's leave Carla alone. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. All the way from Canada. Watch for the polar bears. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget, we want to hear what you have to say. So go do the survey. Yes, I actually did mean to make that rhyme. I'm such a dork. I know. But anyway, head over to designateddrinker.show, take the survey, and let's hang out at our live virtual Let's Get Twisted cocktail hour. Cheers to that. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.